Arsenal Ozil. Marca Mesut Ozil. Corner. Llegó el gol de Olivier Giroud. Marca el Arsenal. Marca Olivier Giroud. Gol de los Gunners. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there, welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, especially this week, with James from Gunner Blog. Goodly morning to you. Goodly morning. How's it all going? It's okay. I mean, when we do this once a week, I can sort of... You, you miss out on some of the minutiae of my life, some of the little things. Like this morning, I mean, I, I'm a bit of a state, to be honest with you. I woke up and my shoulders have done that thing where, I don't know... The, the limited amount of muscle within them seems to have all fused together. Oh, no. Do you know that sensation where, like, uh, you can't really... I, I mean, I look like Quasimodo, more like Quasimodo than right. usual. It reminds yeah. me of that bit um, in The Simpsons when Homer says, you know that pain you get in your heart where it's like a thousand knives of fire stabbing you? And people mm. go, um... I'm not sure you're supposed to get that. Yeah, well, maybe it is one of those. I also had to leave the house in a rush this morning uh, and I only had time to put one contact lens in. So imagine a man <laughs> with one eye shut, one shoulder about four inches higher than the other, sort of limping through Islington. Yeah. And you've, you've got a picture of me. But anyway, how are you? I, I'm OK. What happens when you've only got one contact lens in? Does everything... Was it the left one or the right one? Do you, everything's, like, do everything's you have, 3D. Do, do you have <laughs> no. to walk on one side of the road to make everything OK? My right eye had a contact lens in, and you sort of, I just sort of shut the left one um, and hoped for the best. It worked right. out okay. Okay. I mean, it's, n it's not ideal, but I, look, I'm here. That's the important thing. That is the important thing. I'm also in great pain this morning, if that helps you in any way, if it makes Why? you feel better. Played football last night. Uh, that'll mm. do it. Yeah. I also played football yesterday. How did you get on? We lost 4-0 to a team um, that come from an Italian restaurant in Dublin. They're very, they're very good, you see. They're actually very good at football. And we're not very good. Not right. as good as them, anyway. They're organised and can pass the ball to Cantonaccio each other and things. And all that. Yeah. No, well, they're quite attacking, actually. We were the ones who were sitting off deep and what have you. But uh, I did score a quite a good own goal. That was good. What sort of own goal? Well, a corner came in. And uh, it was whipped into the near post. So the guy that I was marking ran across me and I got across him and took a swipe at the ball. But because he was leaning into me, I sliced it past the goalkeeper into my own net. It was one of the yeah. faintest of connections. You know, that way where you just kind of... And the keeper put his hands up and he didn't get there. And then the guy, he fucking... He ran off. Like he scored it. it. Like he's That's your goal, damn it. That's what I said to him. I said, that was my goal, fucker. You're not having that. He's going, I score, I score. No, you fucking didn't. I scored it. Do you score a lot of own goals? Are you a sort no. of Jamie Carragher, Lee Dixon figure? No, 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 no. Very few own goals in my career. So, so the ones that you do score, you, you want to hold on to? Absolutely. Especially when the guy runs off trying to claim it for himself and everyone thinks, hey, how the fuck did he manage to score that goal when he was, in fact, nowhere near the ball? Nobody seemed to ask that question. Mm. Yeah, mm. if if they'd had the, you know, BT camera angles there, that's, yeah, it would have proven it was my goal. You need to get up in front of the, the dubious goals committee. Yeah. State your case. <laughs> Something like that. But yeah, today I'm I'm in pain, but that's that's fine. That's competitive that's sport, guys. It's you're, you're, at least you're not like Daniel Sturridge. You're plowing on. You're here nonetheless. Yeah, I know what pain and real pain is. Exactly. And, uh, there's no danger of this podcast not going ahead because of that. 
So look, where do we start today? Actually, I suppose we should start with um, with West Ham against Manchester United. Ah, yeah, that was fun. It was fun. I mean, you know, in some ways. It's- it's a shame that there wasn't slightly more at stake because West Ham had kind of bollocked it up at the weekend. But, mm. um, yeah, I mean, it was fun on the pitch and bizarre off it, wasn't it? I mean, those scenes of, uh, you know, the players on the bus, uh, Lingard, Jesse Lingard screaming, mummy, mummy, as, <laughs> as bottles hit the windows. I think, in fairness, he was being a bit tongue-in-cheek. but um, Oh, he was, yeah. He was, he was. You can imagine a couple of our players might not have been. No, probably not. I think they genuinely would have been cowering and screaming that. But yeah, very, very strange. West Ham embracing their traditions there. Well, this is it. But I mean, you know, people say, oh, look, it's a great throwback to the 1970s or the 80s when when men were men and football was something to be feared and enjoyed. But, you know, it's like a few bottles thrown at at a coach. A bottle is, is nothing. When Arsenal went to play West Ham... In, in the 1970s, there was a cauldron full of boiling oil thrown through the windows of and the bus. And if they threw bottles, they were, they were magnums. Yeah. <laughs> you know, fired via, like, siege warfare catapults. Exactly. Because West Ham fans were known for buying magnums of champagne. Yeah. That, that was their thing at the time. That was their thing. And, it, you know, they fired them directly at the horse and cart on which Arsenal arrived. Yeah. I mean, there's a few bottles. I mean, come on. I mean, unseemly scenes, it has to be said. Unseemly. Did someone headbutt a, a coach? Yes, this is, <laughs> this is the, uh, the report from this morning where one West Ham fan was seen to be headbutting the window of the Manchester United coach. Now, it conjures up an interesting image, doesn't it? Because the windows of those coaches are quite high. So was he... Was he leaping? Did he have a small portable trampoline beside the coach to to jump up and and give it a headbutt? Very strange behaviour altogether, though. Where does that rank against punching a horse? I think it's right up there. Yeah. It's right up there. I guess we should have more issue with punching a horse because a horse is a sentient being. Yeah. Whereas a, a coach, as far as I'm aware, is not. Yes, but a horse could also kick the fuck out of the guy trying to punch it. He could stamp him or bite him. You know, horses have big, hard teeth and, uh, you know, they've got good hooves for kicking. So there is a touch of, well, you know, come on, horse, defend yourself against this fucking moron who's who's punching a horse. But punching or loafing an inanimate object seems very strange behaviour altogether. Uh, I agree with you. I agree with you. But they're West Ham fans, you know, what, what do we expect? Absolutely. Now, here, let me ask you this. What is your take on... Upton Park versus the Bolin Ground. Where do you stand on this? The most, hot I suppose, pressing. Yeah, it's, it is a hot issue. Um, I'll be honest. I don't really understand it. I, I, I would say Upton Park. Yeah, but I think that legally it is the Bolin Ground. Is that correct? I don't really know because my entire football supporting life, it was known as Upton Park, like always. Always. I don't think if you go back in the the books that you used to get, you know, the books where you get with all the stats, you get a book for all 92 clubs in the Premier League and it was, you know, Arsenal, highest attendance, all that kind of stuff. But the ground, you know, it was always called Highbury or uh, um, West Ham's ground was always called Upton Park. I never really heard anybody until quite recently refer to it as the Bolin ground. I thought that was odd. Yeah, I think it's... Someone said to me it was kind of a branding exercise because you can't really trademark or copyright Upton Park because it's a tube station. 
Right. So there was some sort of issue there. I mean, you know, Highbury, of course, was called Arsenal Stadium, wasn't it, officially? Yeah. I mean, that's what it used to have to be called. Did it have to be called that for Champions League games for some weird reason? Maybe. Or, or no, actually, it could be the Emirates that has to be called the Ar- Arsenal Stadium for Champions League games. I can't remember. I'm talking out my hole here. But, I, you know, they had all these celebrations afterwards with uh, all the famous players, Marlon yeah. Harewood. Samasia Boo. Dean Thomas Ashton. Yeah. yeah, exactly. All the great Wheeling. legends. Wheeling them out. But you know what? I feel, I feel like they missed a trick because of the fact they changed it from Upton Park to the Bolin Grand. And will I tell you why? Go on. They could have had a range of musical... Uh, items based around Billy Joel's Uptown Girl. Oh, of course. You see? Now, I'm nothing if not well prepared, James, so turn up your volume here. I've got a little something to play you. This is what they could have gone with. Upton Park It had floodlights so it wasn't dark I once went there with a bloke called Mark. He got eaten by an angry shark. He was a cunt. See? Uh, incredible. Why, they, missed a, they missed such an obvious trick there. <laughs> Why were you not the master of ceremonies at this particular event? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, think <laughs> of all the things they could have done with that one association, with that one song by that one guy. If they if they'd just used their imaginations. I know. Just pathetic. Outrageous. And what did you make of that? Apparently this thing was on Sky afterwards. They were showing all this. I didn't watch it because... I didn't watch it. Frankly, I I don't give a fuck about that kind of shit. But this sort of stage-managed goodbye to Upton Park Bowling Ground. I don't know. Why why was it on Sky? And A, you know, it's not a bit overblown, all a bit sort of mawkish and... Wasn't winning a game of football enough? Shouldn't that have been the final memory that all these people had of of their ground that they've gone to for, for all these years? A great 3-2 win against Manchester United. Fans flooding out of the stadium. Instead, they, got, they had taxis. There were taxis on the pitch, apparently. There were, yeah. Claret Why? Taxis. Why? Because of London, London taxis, lots of taxi drivers support West Ham. What's the, what's the thing? Why weren't there other modes of transport on there? I, I suppose if was... they put a bus on, they'd be afraid that all the fans would come on the pitch and try and loaf it. Well, that's the issue. You know, they'll get some West Ham okay, fan yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to attack it. Um, if they put a tube train on, someone will come and, you know, try and kick it in the nuts. But I think um, it was something of the sort of bizarre Olympic closing ceremony to it, wasn't there? Yeah. But, you yeah, know, weird. to each their own. If well, you want to fight a bus... That's your prerogative. (laughs) Yes, it absolutely is. Now, that wasn't the only football that took place last night. And we'll talk about the football that's going to take place tonight. But Arsenal's under-21s gained promotion to the first division of the under-21 league last night with a 3-1 win over Aston Villa. Of course. Now, did you see the name of the guy who scored for Aston Villa? This is brilliant. Yeah, I did. He had all the names. Russian Marcus Amari Hepburn Murphy. I mean, what what what's his nickname? Is it Rushy, Mark, Ami, Heppy, Heppy, Murph? Or do you like mix it combine all together? Them. Yeah, you combine it so you call him Ramarha Murph. Or does it is it does his name have an acronym maybe? Uh or M A H M. 
Yeah. That's not no. going to work. No, it's not. There's only one vowel in there, so that's kind of fucking that up. I'd just call him Bob or Steve or something. <laughs> Trev. Yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah. But, you know, I mean, what's he got on the back of his shirt? That's my question. That's a good question. I didn't, I didn't notice. I didn't notice. Probably that's... Murphy or something. I remember the days when I thought Oxlade Chamberlain was a mouthful. Mm. Yeah, I mean he's going to have yeah, he's going to have to have really really small font on on the back of his shirt. Yeah. Um but after the game, did you notice this? The captain of the under 21s, mm. Julio Plegazuelo. Very good pronunciation. Thank you man. very much indeed. One I of, assume I've got no idea really, but yeah. yeah <laughs> one of our uh one of our Spanish London hybrid accent guys was interviewed uh by the official site uh, about what he felt. Uh, after winning this. So I'm going to play this for you again, so you might okay. want to just turn your volume yeah, up. I'll turn you up, yeah. This is the interview as went out uh, after the game. You've won promotion to the top tier of under-21 football. How's that feel? Yeah, it's been a great season. I think the lads deserve it, especially today. They fucking gave everything today. <laughs> and we, we, we really deserved it to get promoted. <laughs> that's brilliant. And did that go out live? Or? Yeah, that's gone out. So basically, basically... They fucking gave everything today. They fucking gave everything today. They fucking gave everything. That's amazing. I really enjoy that. They fucking I hope gave he makes everything the first today. team just so we can remember and commemorate that moment. Yeah, that would and be. And to see him do that regularly on Sky Sports. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Like in every single interview that he does, he throws in a different swear word. So he'd have to work through all the all the big ones like fuck and shit, piss, bollocks, wanker, twat, tits. All that kind of stuff, and then you'd have to get really creative, like Wank Blaster or Jizz Monkey, and all that kind of. Just as his career went on, he would become the master of inventing new swear words. He would indeed. It was Freddie Umberg, of course, who who did that in a post-match interview, wasn't it? And gave Ask Blog its tagline. Yeah, this is very true. After the uh, 2002 FA Cup final, Freddie was interviewed uh, live on TV and he was asked how it felt and he said, it's fucking excellent. And you know what? I went looking for that today and I cannot find it anywhere. I can't find that clip anywhere. So if anyone out there, yeah, that's incredible. If anyone out there has it, or knows where we can get it, please uh, please let us know because it would be great to have Freddie Jumberg. It's fucking excellent, along with uh, Julio Plegazuelo because uh, they worked. They worked. Hang on, what was it? They fucking gave everything today. They fucking gave everything today. <laughs> they did. What I like about that is it's a really unnecessary use of the swear word as well. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no need for it in that context, but he's like, let's throw it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like that. I like that. I'm sure he knows it's a bad word. Actually, he was on Twitter saying, "Oh, please forgive me for my, for my bad language." But I think when you learn a second language, sometimes the the swear words punctuate your vocabulary without you really knowing it. Yeah, this is it. Um, I think that was Freddie's excuse at the time. Yeah. He said, "Oh, we we have a word in Swedish that kind of means very that has that kind of forceful impact, but there there isn't an equivalent in English." Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. So there you are. Uh, so look, if anybody does have the um, if anyone does have the It's Fucking Excellent, send it across to us. Now, yesterday, of course, we got that, that lovely piece of art, mm. um, which which people seem to enjoy a great deal. Well, good, good for them. Mm. Some I'd people say. enjoyed it a little bit too much. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but uh, we were talking on Monday about uh, Jurassic Park, if you remember. I, it was only a couple of days ago. I, I remember it well. Yes, and you were talking about feeding John Terry 
um, to the, the, the thing in the goat. The goat yes, thing. Yes, 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 lowering him into yeah. his doom. So I've just sent you an email there from Daniel Baltset or Botset, I can't see because my screen is too small. Uh, oh, yes. Daniel Botset, I think it is. And he has very cleverly photoshopped you into Jurassic Park where John Terry's being lowered into the mouth of a fish dinosaur. I don't know what the name of a fish dinosaur Some is. Some sort of Watersaurus. Watersaurus. <laughs> Yes, a watersaurus, uh, uh, colacanth, or one of those uh, weird things. Uh, but that's good. A crocodinosaur of some kind. Mm. Um, yes, that is good. I, I only wish we could see this for real. Mm. On the final day of the Premier League season. Yeah, that would be amazing. I would uh, hire Stamford Bridge for that. I definitely would. I definitely would hire Stamford Bridge for that. Yeah. What... Um, what else was I going to say? Oh, there seems to be a lot of chat this morning about uh, old granite, doesn't there? Old granite shaka. There does seem to be uh, a lot of chat. Concrete stories about granite. Yeah, they're all uh, set in stone. Yes, come on. Yes. Um, that, no, that genuinely does look to be... I mean, it's approaching the point where the whispers are becoming shouts, isn't mm. it? Yeah, because a... A newspaper from the area in which uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach are in Germany. Germany. Germany, Germany, yes. I don't know which bit of Germany it is, whether it's north, south, east, west, or somewhere in the middle. Um, But they have reported that Arsenal made a bid of 43 million euros plus bonuses. Yes, Raphael Honigstein reporting it as a total of 50 million euros when you include the add-ons. Mm-hmm. Which is an astronomically high number, isn't it? It's the same as what we paid for Mesut Ozil. Yes, but this is this is the way the market is going. Adam Lallana costs twenty eight million pounds. Absolutely. I mean, in in some ways, you know, it, what what Rafael was saying that Arsenal came in with a bid that was rejected and have come in with this huge offer, you know, at asking price mm. uh, in order to expedite the deal. If that is the case, I, I guess that's really good news. You know, that's what we want to see, how, how we want to see the club behaving. Yeah, I mean, do we see that as a change of tack from Arsene Wenger? Maybe, maybe they learnt something from Bayern Munich's activity yesterday. Mm. Wow, they, they they did some stuff, didn't they? They did, they had quite the hour, um, spending about, you know, £70 million in the process. But I think, uh, yeah, look, it looks like an intriguing one. I think it, he's obviously uh, someone the manager really rates if he's prepared to go go to quite that extent to get him. Yeah. So, fingers crossed, we get some uh, some news on it soon. Yeah. I mean, I think it would be a very interesting signing. If you're going out and spending £50 million on a central mid... or €50 million, Euros, rather, on a central midfield player, after already buying Mohamed Elneny in January, it suggests that this is an area of the pitch that you really want to focus on, right? Yeah. Uh, I know we all want a striker, and I hope that we do get a striker. Um, there are issues with our forward lines in terms of who's going to be there next season and who's not going to be there or who's going to be fit and who's going to be available. But it's always felt to me like midfield, central midfield, has been the most dysfunctional area of the team this season, that we haven't found anything that's really worked to give us the platform to try and play the kind of football that we, we like to play. Mm. So perhaps in bringing in this guy, bringing in El Nenny, maintaining Wilshire, I think he's going to keep Ramsey. Uh, who else is Who else is there? Cazorla's there. Coquelin is there. Although playing for the under-21s last night, what do you make of that? Very strange, isn't it? Because, you know, what are we keeping him fit for? He's not likely to make the France squad for the Euros. No. Um, 
that suggests he definitely won't start the weekend. Mm. Very odd. I don't really... Some people tweeted me yesterday after we chatted about it on the show saying they think Cochrane might be punished for his sending... being punished for his sending off at White Hart Lane. Mm. I don't know. Do you think there's anything in that at all? Possibly. I mean, we've seen the manager do that before. Look at Theo Walcott after um, we lost at White Hart Lane last season where mm. he didn't close down a cross quick enough and all of a sudden was basically not used again until the very end of the season because he literally had no choice other than to use him because Giroud was going through a goal drought. He, pre- he left Walcott on the bench. Like, Walcott was the guy who was going to play on the right-hand side, and all of a sudden he's behind Ramsey, he was behind Wilshire, he was behind Danny Welbeck, uh, even Alexis a couple of times, and I think that was uh, a consequence of what he did at White Hart Lane that day. And I think it's the same for it's the same for Coquelin. I, mean, I remember people at the time getting a little bit uh, angry that Arsene Wenger sort of said, well, look, you know, it happens... Uh, Coquelin's a committed player, he made a mistake, let's not go overboard, let's not kill him for making one mistake. But I think probably what's happened publicly and privately are two very different things. Yeah, well, that's classic Carson, isn't it? He always defends his players in public. Um, But uh, yeah, it is an intriguing situation, the Coquelin one, especially because at the start of the season, he was the one... The, the player who I was most afraid of losing. I mean, we're going to talk, I think, a little bit today about some of the, the more disappointing elements of the mm. season. And I remember the day he was injured at West Brom, just thinking, oh, shit, that could be yeah. our title challenge gone because there was just no obvious replacement for him, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, look, he played, Cazorla played, Callum Chambers played, and uh, Joel Campbell played as well. Hmm. So, I don't know what we're going to do for the weekend. We'll have to wait and see, obviously. But... Um, giving those guys a run out probably had a big effect on that team. You know, there's there's quality added to that under-21 team. Um, So I wonder if it was a little bit about experience looking at a couple of guys who haven't really been playing in the first team and looking at an under-21 side that needed just a bit of a a push um, to get itself going. That Chris Willock looks good, doesn't he? Yeah, there's a lot of talk about him, isn't there? He's a very big prospect. Mm. In fact, Arsene's spoken about him in the past. Um, He's someone who... You wonder, will he make the step this summer to be involved with the first team? Certainly in pre-season. He's 18 now. Mm. Um, that's around the age people often get introduced. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he fares, but definitely an exciting young talent. Right. OK, so look, there's the under-21s. Uh, what else have we talked about? We've talked about the sweary guy. We've talked about the bus. We've talked about all that kind of stuff. Anything else catch your eye from yesterday, Arsenal or otherwise? Uh, just having a think, really. It looks like it's going to be bad news for Danny Welbeck, doesn't it? It does. We might wait on that one and just until uh, we get yeah. some um, confirmation. Till we get some confirmation, and I suppose we do have to give a little bit of a shout out uh, to Twitter at uh, Checks Magic Hat, who uh, provided us with a very interesting Photoshop. Yes, he did. Maybe we'll include that in the blog again. I mean, or is it too too revealing? <laughs> it's a little bit too well. I suppose we could describe it. And you can go check out the timeline of at Checks Magic Hat. Uh, it's a lady, by the way. Um, and she has photoshopped the Premier League trophy <laughs> in place of the pottery um, in the film Ghost, starring Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze. And uh, you are Demi Moore. Yep. Looking quite sultry, that, I have to say, yeah. Yeah, it sort of works for me. Yeah, it really does. And uh, I'm Patrick Swayze, which I'm not necessarily sure works for me, given especially, of course, that he's dead. Sure, 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 sure. But that means a replacement is required. So Right. 
you could step up into that gap. Let's okay. not forget. Yeah. Have you ever done pottery? I did it at school, actually. Yeah. I really enjoyed it, ceramics. Um, but uh, didn't make a career out of it in the end. Yeah. I wasn't great at it. I don't think I could fashion a Premier League trophy out no. of clay, that's for sure. No, I definitely couldn't do that. All right, well, look, will we uh, take a break, come back and do some moments and questions and all that? Let's do it. All righty, back in a sec. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra, brought to you today by Cornerstone. If you want to shave better and more cost-effectively, just visit cornerstone.co.uk forward slash arseblog. You get £10 off. You can choose what shaving products you want, when you want them delivered, and you can shave everywhere you like, whenever you like, with all the great German precision-engineered blades from Cornerstone. Check it out, cornerstone.co.uk forward slash arseblog. Thank you very much. Right. 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 Should we do this? Well, this was what you were going to be calling Black Wednesday. Black Wednesday, exactly. The post-mortem. Yeah. Should we, I mean, we probably need to punctuate this Black Wednesday with with some upbeat bits, no? I mean... Okay. I don't know what sort of upbeat bits we can we can bring in. Hang on, we could just do this. Fucking uh, gave everything today. Just throw yeah. that in from time Every to time. Every so often. Yeah. That'll help. That'll do it. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we did the best bits yesterday, and, and there were some very good best bits, bits that people enjoyed. Obviously, this season is far from over. Actually, before we do that, we should look at the football that's happening tonight and what that might mean for the weekend, because, because. Sunderland are playing Everton. Is that right? Correct. Tonight. If Sunderland win at home to Everton tonight, Norwich and Newcastle are both relegated. Now, the effect that has for us, of course, is that Newcastle are playing Tottenham on Sunday. And if Newcastle are playing Tottenham, having just been relegated, chances are they're not going to give a single itty-bitty fuck about that game. No. So, So really, we need something from Everton and having seen Everton a couple of times in the last few weeks, that doesn't feel particularly likely. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But is is Martinez one of those managers where just when you think it, it's just over and done with, something happens where you go, ah, oh, look, actually, he's all right. He's done that thing. Look, he, he made them do that. They're quite good again. Let's, let's all get behind Roberto. Maybe. I hope he is. That would be nice. Yeah. I mean... First of all, because he seems like a nice man. Yes. Uh, even if he doesn't know how to coach defending. But then, you know, we've we've seen lots of that Arsenal over the years. Mm. And uh, second of all, because it'd be great, it'd be great to go into that final day with uh, Newcastle having something to play for. Yes, yes. So come on, Everton tonight. That's what we're looking for in tonight's games. Other fixtures uh, in there as well. Chelsea against uh, Liverpool against Chelsea at Anfield and Norwich versus Watford. So, mm. yeah. Not much of that makes any difference to us one way or the other. So, no. right. Uh, worsties. The worsties. We picked the best player, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We picked the player of the season yesterday. We're going to have to pick a not player of the season. Shall a we call it player that? player of the season. Most disappointing player. I mean, I... I, I I, I, as I said, I suspect I know who yours is going to be. Maybe I'm going to surprise you. Maybe you are, but I, I don't think you are. <laughs> well, 
Well, listen, you haven't enjoyed a lot of Theo Walcott's performances this season, have you? No, I haven't. That's true. That would be fair to say. Um, so, I mean, he's up there. But then again, you see, the thing with, with, with Walcott is that I don't necessarily have a great deal of expectation. Right. You see? So it's not like I'm going, oh, well, there's a surprise. It's not like that. Whereas so who- somebody like... Aaron Ramsey, who I like, yeah. has been a bit disappointing for me. I think he's capable of a lot better. But he strikes me, the more I look at him and the more that I see what happens around him, he's a Goldilocks player. That everything everything has to be just right mm. around him. Now, I'm not saying he's not a player who, can, who can't influence games and, and all that kind of stuff, but it feels like more than anyone, he needs the right partner or the right players around him in the right system. I mean, his best football in the last couple of years has come from the right-hand side. I think that, yeah, I, I think that what Ramsey reminds me a little bit of Steven Gerrard. I think that you, you sort of need to build your team around him because he's a player who doesn't seem to have a natural position where he just easily fits into a system. Yeah. He's almost at his best when he's got freedom. Um, and, you know, that works a treat at Liverpool at times because, you know, Gerard was so clearly their best player. But at Arsenal, you've got the likes of Ozil, Alexis, who demand that kind of attention themselves. So mm. he would be on there. I mean, another name that springs to mind for me, just in terms of what they delivered against what I expected or maybe hoped for, would be Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Yes, yeah, that's a great shout, actually. Because, you know, I, I, he scored in the Community Shield, didn't he? I think he was in the starting lineup for the first game of the Premier League season. He might not have been. I think he was, though. And, um, and that's was, been the ca- yeah. yeah he that's was. been the case in the the past, I think, I think two of that, the last three seasons he's been in the team on the opening day, which shows how determined Arsene Wenger is to sort of get him regularly involved in the side and I thought the fact that he was picked for the match against Barcelona uh, at the Emirates Stadium at a time when Joel Campbell was in pretty good form as soon as Oxlade Chamberlain was fit again he was back into the side Yeah, shows how much faith the manager has in him but he really hasn't rewarded that in any kind of tangible way yeah. I think that's I think that's a, a better shout you know just from in terms of expectation Ramsey is is there he hasn't done it but Oxley Chamberlain has had a season where I think we all expected him to take a real step forward and the manager provided him with the chances to do that but he was not able to I think it's been a season of regression for him and it'll be interesting what we do I, Arson said the other week that he's not ready to give up they put too much time into him so they're not giving up on him yet but we're heading into this period where he's going into the final two years of his contract and normally that's when a club wants to tie up the future of a player has he done enough to merit a new deal would now be the time perhaps to move him on maybe a change of scenery would be good for him as a player and, and good for us because again he's a little bit like Ramsey in that you don't know exactly where where it is he plays. Is he a right attacker? Is he a central midfield player? Is he deep lying? Is he attacking? Does he play from the left? You know, there's a there's a lot to be said for being versatile, but sometimes it can be a bit of a hindrance as well. Mm. I mean, ultimately, the numbers do speak for themselves as well. 22 Premier League appearances this season, one goal, zero assists. And that's sort of been the case for him really over the last few campaigns. Mm. He just doesn't seem to convert to end products. And someone like... Campbell, who I mentioned before, is so much more efficient in that final third. Um, it is frustrating because it's clearly 
that he... It's, sorry, it's clearly... That's not grammar. It's clear that he's got plenty of talent and we've seen flashes of it, mm. but he's just not been able to translate that into consistent performances. Mm. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, that's a, that's a good shout for me. I think pretty much everybody else has been more or less average. As we said yesterday, the difficulty the difficulty that we had in picking a real player of the season, somebody who was truly, truly outstanding, um, was there because I think just everybody's been just a bit average or, or slightly below average without being truly, truly terrible. I don't think anybody's been really, really terrible apart from, like you say, Oxley chamberlain there. There you go. Well, unfortunately, he, he looks like the guy. And uh, Theo Walcott. And obviously, they will as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, just a while we're on that, uh, there's a question from at Funky Fred, who says, "Since we're dealing with depressing stuff today, is the British core that Arsene Wenger heralded a failure?" Um, I think, I think it is. Yeah, I mean, I think it hasn't really kicked on as they would expect. I mean, when you look at the individuals. I mean, Kieran Gibbs, I think it would be a bit harsh to say he's had a disappointing season. It's more to do with the form of Nacho Monreal, but it's definitely been a bad year for him. Yeah. Um, Carl Jenkinson was having a very difficult time at West Ham by all accounts prior to his injury in January. Uh, Ramsey, we mentioned, as one of the disappointments. Oxlade-Chamberlain, Walcott. Mm. Um, while, while you're on Gibbs there, uh, another question. Uh, at Marcus Mangan, Marcus underscore Mangan. Um, says, what happened to Gibbs? Lost his place due to Monreal, not good enough to take it back or a lack of determination? What do you, what do you think? I, I mean, I do think a lot of it is down to how excellent Monreal's been. Do you think um, so? I, I'm, I'm slightly of the opinion that he's, he's hit a plateau in terms of his development as a player. I think he's a good player, but I don't think he's really kicked on the way that we expected him to. Maybe. I mean, I do think that fullback, it's interesting, Arsene Wenger... I think an area, I mean, we've got a lot of work to do in the summer potentially, but an area he might like to improve on is the fullbacks because mm. if you look at, say, Spurs this season, their overlapping fullbacks were so important to their game and they were able to rotate them pretty regularly. They had Walker and Trippier on the right hand side and Rose and Davis, I think it is, on the left. Whereas Arsenal have yeah. kind of been forced to use Bellerin and Monreal pretty much every week. And, you know, you mentioned yesterday, you think Monreal's looked a bit tired of late. I think it'd be great to have the luxury to be able to change those players without a significant dip in quality. Yeah. Um, so if Kieran Gibbs is unhappy with the amount of first-team football he's getting, and to be honest, he must be, we could see a change there, certainly in the summer. Fucking gave everything today. All right, just, just to brighten <laughs> things up a bit. Um, all right then, so, right, what do we do then? What was the worst game? What was the worst game of the season? Southampton. Southampton away. I mean, that was... We, is there, are we having worse game and worse performance? I think Southampton away may have been the worst performance. I thought, yeah, it was. It was, but I also feel that there was a bit of bad luck there um, in terms of a couple of decisions that went against us, but it was really, it was bad. It was bad. Um, what else? I mean, in terms of the worst game, do you know, I think, uh, I think the Manchester United game was one that certainly a lot of people... It's as positive as we felt about the home game, I think the away game infuriated a lot of people, didn't it? It really did. We had some people here uh, talking about that. Hang on a second. Uh, I've got James Batchelor, who's at Wolfman Gym 21. He said, most anger-inducing performance of the season, United away for me. Yeah. It's such a poor team to just not show up. Yeah, Jay, uh, that Arsenal guy, says, worst moment of the season has to be Man United away. I incredible hulked into the angriest man on the internet. Uh, so it, it 
definitely did uh, have a big impact on people. Quite interesting as well, isn't it, that United at home was was the best game of the season by a long way and United away right up there with, with the worst. You know what drove me yeah. mad about that game was the fact that after we got it back to 3-2, we just didn't threaten at all. There was nothing about the team that was dangerous or threatening to Manchester United and we still had 25 minutes to play. That was really, um, that was really quite annoying. Yeah, I mean, and also when you look at the United lineup from that day, you know, a back four comprised of Rojo, Carrick, Blind, and Varela. Uh, you had Lingard and Rashford in the side. Mm. Three subs who came on were Yanizai, Weir, and Fosu Mansa. I don't, I don't even know who Weir is. So no, neither <laughs> I, do I. Actually. I think <laughs> I think that was sort of part of the frustration as well. We had a relatively strong side out. Yeah. United were very weakened at the time, and it felt, you know, it it, it was relatively close to uh, the. It was the twenty eighth of February, wasn't it? So just two weeks on from that victory over Leicester, yeah. we seemed to reignite our title challenge, and then we just stumbled again. Um, so I think that was a a big tipping point. For a lot of people, I mean, Mikey P, Michael Proctor on Twitter said, Man United away relieved me of all optimism and changed my glass to half empty. And I think, I don't think he's alone in that. I think it was a point where a lot of people's frustrations kind of boiled over. Yeah, well, of course, that was compounded then by that game against Swansea at mm. home where we lost 2-1 in the very next game. And those two results, what hope we had of staying in the title race, were absolutely gone. Um, after that, so it was uh, it was a really really bad week. That was yeah. a bad week. So maybe that would be a worse game than the United away. Yeah, um, and maybe the worst performance. Mm. I'm just trying to think. I mean, there were some pretty ugly ones. The Southampton one, obviously. It didn't really matter, but our performance at Sheffield Wednesday in the Capital One Cup was pretty diabolical. That was unbelievable, actually, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, looking back at the team for that particular game, I know there was uh, a lot of a lot of youth, but when you look at the team that started, it was Czech, Debushi, Gibbs, Mertesacker, Chambers, Oxlade-Chamberlain, Flamini, Iwobi, uh, Glenn Kamara, Olivier Giroud and Joel Campbell. So, I mean, yeah. it wasn't... You know, if you if you at that point Iwobi hadn't made his breakthrough, and Glenn Kamara was making, I think his his debut. But apart from that, nine of that team were regular part of the first team squad, and it was uh-huh. really go through the motion stuff. And then, of course, we had the injury, early injury to Oxley Chamberlain. Walcott came on and got injured uh, after about ten minutes uh, after coming on. Um, yeah, n- not a not a good day. That wasn't good. Uh, it didn't do much to improve the mood. In terms of uh, other games, I mean, this is sort of less about performance, but games that really stick in the mind as particularly painful ones. I do think that one at West Brom was uh, pretty... I was at that game and at the Hawthorns. We lost 2-1 and uh, having led, of course, mm. and there was the Arteta own goal. There was a missed penalty from Cazorla. There was Francis Cochran getting his injury. Um, that was a pretty dark day. Yeah. And then followed up just... Uh, eight days later by the one all at Norwich mm. where Alexis and Cazorla and Aaron Ramsey I think all were all uh, had injury problems yeah. and Koscielny as well wasn't it I think it was like a kind of mass 
uh, injury situation. Yeah, there was a, there was a lot of that. Actually, a number of people have uh, have highlighted that. Uh, let me see if I can get it here. Yeah, Mark Ledsom at Ledsom Mark says worst moment number one, twenty first to twenty ninth uh, of November, uh, losing Coquelin, Santi, and Alexis to derail our season. Number two. Uh, Theo Walcott versus Eunice Kabul. That was his second worst. But certainly that that injury spell there. I mean, in terms of the overall results, in the immediate aftermath of that, we didn't do too badly. So we drew that game with Norwich, and then we only lost one of our next eight games, which Mm. was uh, that game at Southampton. But it just felt more and more like we were like a a cart that had been going downhill a little bit and it had some momentum and just it was getting slower and slower and slower and slower. Um, I'm just going to find one here. Uh, Hang on, here we are. Where is it? Uh, Christian Cooper, at Chris22Cooper. He also mentions losing Alexis and Cazorla away, but also the Joe Allen equaliser at Anfield. That fucking goal does my head in. Right now, even when I think about it, it wrecks my head. Well, I think Arsene Wenger considers that a really significant moment. He talked the other day about how the team, you know, conceded. He said, when, as a rule, as a rule, our defensive record is good. We've kept 15 clean sheets, but when we did concede, we conceded too many. He said, you know, you cannot concede three goals away from home and at somewhere like Anfield and expect to win. Mm. And um, that, you know, it would have been a massive win, wouldn't it? It would have been a really important result, uh, especially having. Were we twice behind in that game, I think? Yeah. Mm. Uh, Firmino scored twice and then Ramsey and Giroud sort of replied. And then Giroud scored an excellent goal to put us in front and to concede as late as we did. I mean, it was shades of Neil Meller and all that kind of thing. Ah, ah, God God damn it. And we then went on from that to drop points in our next two games against Stoke and Chelsea. I really think that goal had an impact on on the team. I think it yeah. did. I think if you go to Anfield and you win 3-2, having come through, a, I suppose, a reasonably difficult period in terms of results and what have you, uh, if you go there, win 3-2, you take a lot of confidence and belief from that. But instead, having drawn 3-3 to a goal in the, uh, in the 90th minute, it saps you of, of those things as well. I think well, it has a psychological impact as well as the impact it had on points. Clearly, I mean, looking at the full fixtures, we actually didn't score in our next three Premier League games. Fuck. We drew 0-0 with Stoke. <clears throat> we lost 1-0 uh, at home to Chelsea, which was another atrocious result, really, given their form. And then we drew 0-0 at home to Southampton. Mm. So that was a very, very costly period. Losing twice to the worst Chelsea side in... In a long time is also uh, also a bit of yeah, frustration. Yeah, it's a little bit like how we failed to beat the kind of David Moyes United side, you know? Yeah. Very frustrating. Yeah. I think we need something to cheer us up very briefly, so okay. um, yeah, uh, what, what music will I play? I don't know what music I'm going to play. I'll drop something in. Drop something in at this point.
And we're back. Hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> um, right, what else? What other worsts can we do while we're, like, in the throes of this this misery? Worst. Well, I'll tell you what. Somebody asked, um, Stephen Dowling, at Stephen Dowling 95 he asked, was there any moment that you secretly found a bit amusing despite how awful it was? I mean, Walcott against Kabul would probably fit into that category. A little bit, but again, that for me, that was a bit more, like, that was more frustrating than, than amusing. If I'd seen somebody else do it, it would have been very amusing. I'm trying to think, was there anything in particular? Maybe the whole Gabrielle Costa thing because of the pantomime element to it and how just ludicrously stupid it was. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe that. Um it's, it's, I mean, it's mainly painful, isn't it? I thought this might introduce some levity, but it's difficult. Yeah, I'm not thinking of anything there, really. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, shit, I should have... Okay, uh, Deepak Kumar Patel, who's at GNR4Life, Gunner4Life, he says, can you recall any of the most awful commentary? I can. Well, I mean, the one from the other day where Niall Quinn said that Arsenal had been really, really good at Manchester City is still fresh in my memory. Yeah. Um, I have a brilliant example. Go on. Michael Owen. Yeah. I mean, that's probably nailed that question, I would say. Yeah. Nothing to add. No, there's nothing to add to that. Just, just Michael Owen. <laughs> um, I don't know, really. I mean, I feel like we're now just sort of raking through the bones, aren't we? Okay. Alex Brannigan at Branagorn, who sounds like he should be... I don't know, in Lord of the Rings? Yeah, definitely. Branagorn, you must go now and seek the hobbits. Anyway, he says uh, his worst moment was how annoyed or bad I felt when Sanchez came on against West Ham, and then it turning out to be totally vindicated. So that was a bit annoying. Uh, what happened there, remind me? Well, he came on in the first game of the season. Remember, he'd been, like, uh, played the whole season for us, then went to the Copa America, won the Copa America for Chile single-handedly, basically. Uh, got about two days rest... And then came back to uh, to England and was thrown in on the first day of the season because, well, Wilshire got injured and Welbeck got injured and all that. And uh, it pretty much fucked his season. Yeah, that was, uh, that that was, was bad fun. One. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't great. And uh, in fact, um, somebody, Fred Thurbin, or Turbin, who's at RLF86, said that one of his lowlights was finding out in September that Welbeck and Jack were out until January. Yeah. I mean, we wish they'd been out until January. Yeah. Um, February and, well, May it February was. And May. So, okay, here's one final. I think we should do one final worst. Okay. All right. Worst owner of Arsenal. Ooh. Mm, I know, it's a tough one. It is a tricky one. Um, the worst of all the, all the yeah. different owners that yeah. there are. I'm going to go for Big Stan. Big Stan, yeah. Stan the man. In fairness, he's had a cracking season of being absolutely shit at owning the club. He has been. I mean, in terms of being a shit owner, he's absolutely been the best. Title yeah. winning form. Yeah, and he's been remarkably consistent throughout. I mean, from not giving a shit, to not caring one bit, to not giving a single fuck about what happens to the team, to not being in any way ambitious about the future of the club, and in stockpiling massive, massive amounts of cash that could have been spent on the team to make it better and give it a chance of winning trophies. You've got to say, it's been a fucking outstanding season for Stan. I mean, 
at the end of the day, that's what you want from a shit owner. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You don't want any uh, ostentatious displays of ambition by going out and spending lots of money on players that you, you know, need. Nobody no, needs no, no. that. If you're going to be a shit owner, and if anybody out there is listening and has got ambitions of owning a football club and you want to be a really, really terrible, shit, prick, bastard, wanker of an owner, then just just look at what standard this is. It's literally the blueprint. What was that book they used for many years for uh, coaching in England? Not all the coaches got it, and it was like, kick it up in there and run after yeah. it. Yeah, yeah something, something like that. Charles Mitchell or somebody like that, was that it? Yeah, Charles Mitchell. I think that sounds about right. Right. So basically, if Stan Kroenke released a similar book this season on how to be a really shit owner of a football club, it would, it would just sell at least eight or 12 copies. I agree. I mean, look, at the end of the day, the man said it best himself. Uh, don't buy a club if you want to win trophies. Or like that. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do it if you were ambitious or if you he's, had any ambitions of winning. No, I mean, so his manifesto speaks for itself. Yes. So uh, congratulations on your, uh, your outstanding season, Stan. Hopefully somebody delivers you uh, a trophy made of poo. Yes, a trophy made of poo. I'll make that on my potter's wheel. Yeah, you do that. I'm not sitting behind you, though, while you're doing fine, it. Fine, fine, All right, uh, let's have a couple of questions before we go, will we, just so we can change the mood and, and make everything make everything okay. good? Because, James, I mean, do you feel like you've, you've given everything today? Do you feel that way? I feel that way. Okay. I feel that way. I mean, I'm certainly in lots of pain, which is usually a sure sign. Why, why do you ask? Oh, just because, you know... They fucking gave everything today. Just so nobody could accuse us of not fucking sure. giving everything today. Sure. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Um, no, I think I have given fucking everything. All right. Um, what, uh, have, you, have you any questions? I've Sam? got a question. I'll, I'll, I've got a question, and then you can have a question, then we'll call it quits. All right, deal. So, if you were court-ordered, this comes from Alex Wood at Luca Jap- Japiness. I don't understand that, but anyway, um, he he wants to know, if you were court-ordered to live with a non-Arsenal EPL footballer, is that a footballer? Oh, English Premier League, of course, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Who would you choose? So you had to live with them for a year. A year. A whole year. A non-Arsenal footballer. Who looks like a nice footballer? Um... tricky isn't it because it is. i sort of hate them when they don't play for arsenal as a rule yeah i mean there's two ways you could go at this i mean i would say just throwing it out there that someone like Juan mata seems like a really nice kind of guy a, a, yeah a cheerful fellow he seems like a nice fella and you could probably have a good time with him but if you were court ordered to live with this footballer that means that that footballer has no choice but to let you live there right mm. So what if you lived with one of the the big cunts and were just the worst housemate that you could possibly be? Like leaving your dirty socks everywhere, putting your feet up on the furniture, not ever cleaning up your dishes, leaving just stacks and stacks of dishes, having parties in the middle of the night when they're supposed to be resting up for a game. So if you were, for example, to live with a John Terry type, you could make their life absolutely miserable by being just a rotten person to live with. I think that's the way that I would go. 
That's interesting. I mean, either way, I guess I'm going to move to Stoke because if I had to live with a footballer I liked, I think I, th- I always think Boyan seems a particularly cheerful fellow. Do you I think like so? Him. Yeah. Do you not like him? No, I think he prowls the streets at nights looking for victims. Okay. I like his cheery disposition. I think he looks all right. And then what I could also do is live with Charlie Adam and just make his life hell. Yeah, but there's a touch of like, do you, do you not think that Charlie Adam already lives in pretty much squalor, I would say? I'd say it's just a dirty front room with horrible brown carpet that hasn't been changed for years. I mean, he's definitely a, not cleaning his teeth. No, exactly. And you have a sofa that when you sat down on it, there would be dust and like bits. And there's probably like an old pair of his underpants down the back of the sofa. You know, if you go, oh, have, did my change fall down the back of the sofa? And then you're going, oh, good, crusty old underpants. That's disgusting. And just tins of tenants and bottles of Bookfast all across the floor. It, it would, remember in the Harry Enfield show, remember the slobs, Wayne mm. and Wayne Etta. Yes, I do remember. Yeah, that's what that's what Charlie that Adams' kind of house vibe. looks like. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I'll be the the Wayneetta to his Wayne. <laughs> Imagine what an unholy oh, picture! Oh my God, Almighty! Um, oh, I hope nobody photoshops so that. So, where are you really living? Did you? Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna live with John Terry. I'm gonna make his already quite miserable, unhappy life even more miserable. Great. Maybe hire Stamford Bridge for him, though, every so often, just to cheer him up. Yeah, I will. Um, I'll hire it, and then uh, he'll come along to play with all his friends, and I'll have double-booked it with some yeah. <laughs> some group of, I don't know who, just somebody else. So it would be really annoying. They they run out on the pitch, they're ready to play, and then another team comes out, and then it's like, no, we've booked the pitch. No, hang on, we've, we've fucking booked it ages ago. And then there'll be the standoff, and then by the time they've worked it out, uh, the, the booking is over. Make his life fucking miserable. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, let's have this question to finish with. Wes Hunter at Wezzo asks, if you had to choose one, would you play a tiger at centre-back or a cheetah on the wing? A tiger at centre-back or a cheetah on the wing? I would definitely go with a tiger at centre-back. Go on. Well, I like tigers a lot. I think they're the best. I think they're really great. I'm a big fan of tigers in general. I like what they do. I like how they do it. I like the way they look when they do it. I think there's something majestic and vaguely arousing about tigers. Cheetahs are great also. I mean, they're very athletic. They're very fast. They can run very fast. They're good at running really, really fast. And then that puts me in mind of another footballer who's just very good at running very, very fast. I see. You see? In so some I, respects, we already have a cheater on the wing. Yes. So I'm thinking Tiger at centre half. I mean, look, if you're a centre forward, if you're a gazelle centre forward, an antelope centre forward, whatever it might be, you're not going to fuck around with a Tiger at centre half. Just the minute you step out on the pitch, you're beaten. So for me, definite Tiger at centre half. The other one, no. I agree with you. We've already got a cheater on the wing. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't need any more. Let's have a Tiger at centre half. Imagine if we grew the grass long, it could stalk strikers through it. Oh, wow. That would be fucking amazing. He's bearing down. Diego Costa bearing down on goal. Oh, his head is gone. And there's a Tiger eating him. I like I the mean, way. Who doesn't want to see that? Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. And they're just so beautiful and colourful and They'd and look lovely. great in the kit. They really would. They really would. White I mean, shorts. I don't, we're talking about cheetahs and tigers, but we've got a puma kit. I hope that's not going to create a clash. Oh, fuck, yeah. Yeah. That would be bad. I wouldn't like. I wouldn't necessarily like a puma. I mean, they're good, no. but no. But you know, they're not as good as a tiger, are they? At the end of the day, no, exactly. They don't understand the game. That's the big problem with pumas. They've got no no awareness of tactics or or anything yeah. like that. Positional intelligence is where they're struggling. Yeah, exactly. All right, cool. Well, look, there is another one done. Um, another one exists. <laughs> that was a yawn. That was a yawn, guys. The, the strain is taking its toll. Day three. Day we're three. We're still going. We're here. We're here. But hopefully you enjoyed it, despite some of the worst bits. We're back tomorrow. I'm not sure what the theme of tomorrow's one will be, but we'll Thursday. The out. theme of Thursday. Yes. It's almost the weekend theme. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening. We'll catch you tomorrow. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.